That was the last time they used they had the Deacons meeting at a place that accepted Groupon. <laughs> well, on that note, welcome to the show, you, me, and your mom, a show where three people sit down to talk about whatever they want to talk about. I'm your host, Eric, and we're joined today by our other two hosts, my best friend, Brandon. Idaho neighbor. And my mom, Mom. Hello. Her name is Sandy. We're also joined by our other special guest host. Her name is Savannah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you guys? Doing well. How's everybody else? Good. After a busy week, <sighs> things seem to be calming down finally. I'm Not good fun. too. Awesome. Oh, we're doing pretty good down here too. It was 87 degrees in Florida, which I cannot complain. Texas is currently freezing, but the, in the rest of the world, actually, or less the rest of the United States anyway, but 87 in the middle of February, we didn't know what to do with it. We were actually sweating and we felt uncomfortable the entire time. It really put a lot of damper on all the, all the girls running around in Uggs, which by the way, Floridian girls still wear Uggs. I don't know why. It needs to go, but here we are. So we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so see, was that a flex? Was that a flex? I think that was a flex. I think it was a flex. <laughs> yeah, you see today, like it was like 40 degrees in Michigan and sunny. So, you know, I was driving around with my windows down on my lunch break. It was beautiful. I bet. That sounds awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. In fact, it was so warm this week. We put in some new palm trees in our, in our yard. It's that warm. We were ready to hit it. So could you just not be so Florida man right now? <laughs> See, it sounds nice in February, but once you get to July, oh, it's who's going to be laughing? Oh, oh, yeah, it's not. Right. Yeah, it's nice in February. It's not even going to be nice in March. It's going to be filthy and oppressive. Oh, gosh. It's exactly. Like, it's like living in an old man's armpit. It's just, the way. it's just, we're not even, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of old man's armpits, <laughs> we watched a movie. <laughs> For those that didn't know, we actually sat down last week and watched the famous 2000. (laughs) The famous? (laughs) The stretch. Infamous. 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 We watched the infamous movie that came out in year 2000, Dungeons and Dragons. If you're interested, we actually have the recording of our live stream. You can actually catch on it. It'll be our bonus episode. It's going to be dropping along with this episode. And you can actually watch the movie with us and you can hear our responses to the movie in real time. I show you, I talk about all the instructions when you get on there. You can actually watch it with us. And we encourage you to do because I imagine if you have seen this movie, like the rest of us, it was a solid 20 years since you've seen this movie and it might be a really fun albeit depressing <laughs> re- a crash into this movie i personally i don't know how do we kick this movie off i guess what we'll do is the tradition well, let's let's start with the description from imdb of oh. dungeons and dragons 2000 oh boy. bring it on Profion. Played by uh, Jeremy Irons. That's just my note. But Profion, a tyrant, attempts to overthrow a peaceful kingdom ruled by a tough empress. That is the tag lo- or log line. <laughs> that is the description. Oh my gosh! It's oh not like you know, the official sub like tagline or anything. That's just like the description on IMDb when you first click into it. You know the irony of is it sounds so kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. What they don't tell you about is that he seeks to overthrow it by finding a giant red gleaming rod that can control that can summon dragons. Oh, I know. And making like bad 
And just like with bad lines that just sound like euphemisms, the whole movie. The entire yes. movie. And yes. I want to say then, that the tough empress is played by the little sister from Hocus Pocus. So uh, anyone <laughs> who had a thing for Max, the annoying little sister, like, you know, she's like, what, like 14, 15, 16 in this movie. And yeah, she's she had better acting chops and hocus pocus personally it was amazing so before we really get into all the spoilers and all this sort of stuff and and if you feel like you're getting upset at being spoiled for a 20 year old garbage movie that's that's not our fault that's you projecting as those stop are- this now go pay three bucks to rent it on amazon and listen along with our commentary track exactly. it's the best way to consume this media i assure you uh, yeah. <laughs> and you do want to watch it. I know we're describing a terrible movie, but you do want to watch it because it's one of those, how did it make it made? How did this actually get released with confidence? Yeah. And that's what's so amazing about this. So we well, invited Savannah to watch it with us because she, if you guys remember, she is our Dungeons and Dragons uh, game master or Dungeons master from several weeks ago on our episodes. And so we thought when we were watching Dungeons and Dragons that we absolutely had to have Savannah come back and be our special guest host so that's why she's joining us today but before i really get into the details i must say something interesting about dungeons and dragons this particular movie regularly shows up on most lists as they like the top 50 or the top 25 worst movies of all time look it up if you do any kind of research on the internet it inevitably shows up it's that bad of a movie so we watched through it, had a great time, lots of laughs, lots of jokes about rods. I must confess, a lot. Of- <laughs> oh, good lord! So much like the word "rod" has never been used more since the fishing channel was a thing. <laughs> it's used in all the wrong ways. So here we go. Without good further God. ado, I guess we'll take a little bit out of a time because there's no way we can eat this elephant in one chomp. We're gonna have to break it down just a little bit. It's not an elephant. It's like a deformed fetus of an elephant. It's a a beholder, like the one that we saw for five seconds in the movie and then never came back ever again. It was the one cannon. It it had an outdoor shot and then we saw it go indoor and down a hallway and that's it. The one reference to actual Dungeons and Dragons. There are no other specifically assigned spells that are said about like use your fireball to, to, you know, explode the room and get us out of here. Or, you know, cast feather fall since, you know, we just jumped out of a 50 story window and we're going to go splat like nothing, nothing like there are within the first three minutes, there is a dungeon and there is a dragon. And the producer said, great, done, check, (laughs) lots of cocaine. That's exactly yeah, how the meeting went. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I get the feeling Brandon and I are Brandon and I are a little bit salty about that. <laughs> Call me the Dead Sea. Just a scooch. Here's the thing. So it opens up this movie, right? And it gives us which I one of the things I hate unless it's Star Wars is I don't like opening crawl narrative. And the only thing are acceptable is like Mad Max, where it just barely hints at it. You know, just a couple sentences. Conan did it pretty well. I think there was a paragraph. But most of the time when my movie opens up with with lines like you have to read, it kind of annoys me. Well, it technically was narration. Like it was only lines because we had the captions on. And it's kind of a good thing we did because I didn't realize at first that talking was happening because it was so low. Right. 
Right. Lord of the Rings is also another exception. I will accept that. Okay. So there's a few of them that pulls it off and it's because it's just cool. But most of the time I kind of get annoyed at it because I'm like, I'll read a book instead of watch a movie. I'm here for a movie. I know, I know I'm first world problems and arrogancy. I get it. So we opens up and it gives us some backgrounds about who the bad guy is and who the good guy person is and they need have all this narration and it would have been very easy to pick up who the bad guy is and who the good guy is right super easy to do that but we're going to have narration nonetheless so we open it up and behold if you're not prepared for it which i purposely did not tell anybody that watched it with me brandon mom or savannah because i'm the only one i think had watched this movie before lo and behold we have opening dialogue with jeremy freaking irons and you sure. think to yourself, oh my gosh, Jeremy Irons, this is going to be awesome. It is the most over-the-top, ridiculous acting I have ever seen out of that world-class actor. He is hamming it up so hardcore. As oh, like, I don't know what the prop department did with him eating the scenery so dang much. Good Lord. Oh my gosh. And you know, Jeremy's taking an obvious, like he obviously chose this, like he thought this would be a good choice and he committed to it. And it's amazing to watch. So bad guy is trying to control, I guess, a gold dragon, right? So he opens up the dungeon where he is holding the gold dragon captive and he attempts to control it with his golden rod. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, oh, and that's yeah. where things start to well, go like, wrong. At first, it's kind of cool because it's in this like awesome like gyroscoping you know, mechanism and, and he has to do a little magic to get it out and it's got this giant like kryptonite rock in the center of it. And you're like, awesome. And he's like, bring me the rod. Yeah, and, and so it opens <laughs> like up. Like, it's right there. Just go grab it. So, and then the dragon resists his mind control. I guess that's what it was, mind control. And inexplicably, yeah. they just slam the gate on the dragon and kill it, which as a D&D player, that broke my heart. I didn't say anything at the time, but dragons are basically the most powerful beings in the game, and it was just crushed by a simple gate. Drove me up the wall. Just yeah, that was that was the most unimaginative character rolling in that twenty. That's what happened there. Yeah, exactly. And like the dude who's in it just to like for the pure math aspect and to figure out like how he can do the most damage in the easiest way. That is exactly what happened there. <laughs> he shot his crossbow bolt at the you know little wheel holding the gate in place, and it happened. It happened by freak accident. So. You know, and then Jeremy Irons just goes all over the place. Like, he's so angry that this happened because he was trying to control the dragon rather than kill the dragon. So now we have a problem. He wants right. to, he has a he has a useless rod. In fairness, that happens to a lot of men his age where his rod is now useless. I get it. It's fine. It's true. So, we have meds for that. <laughs> Profion's got a big swing in his step. So, See, Profion sounds like a drug that you would prescribe for that kind of problem. Absolutely. It really does. <laughs> Absolutely. So that particular opening act ends with fake blood dripping down this uh, d- down the stairs <laughs> as Jeremy I- Irons is seething in his impotent rage, right? Literally <laughs> impotent rage. Literally. They couldn't even bother with like like water and cornstarch dyed red. Like they had to go full CGI blood. Like the budget for this movie was forty-five million dollars. <laughs> and, and 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 they spent like they wasted a million of it on that freaking stair blood. Like oh, absolutely, and it looked <laughs> terrible too. So there is choices about the budget, and this is first of many. I did not oh, think. 
and the magical dragon's blood that you know bursts into flame when it makes contact with water because apparently that's how it works in this world yeah so that leads us which again sure because you know <laughs> screw you for asking logical questions it just happened well or they just filmed this at lake Erie. you know either one <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Solid pollution joke. Well done, sir. (laughs) So anyway, and then the whole moat catches on fire, which brings us to our main heroes. Because oh no, 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 not the whole moat. Remember, once it like breaks out of like the underground waterway that it's in and hits the main body of water, then it snakes off into these like weird like like root like paths it doesn't like spread out in a wave as you know water does no 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 this goes in very definitive like straight lines and, and that kind of curve and twists a little bit because that's how water works well sure and what i didn't understand about it is spending all that money and it does not add to the plot at all like not in the never least mentioned again like, it's never not it's some kind of chekhov's gun where later on they have you know a vibe a vial of water and a vial of dragon's blood and they throw them on like a bad guy at the same time. Nothing. There is no payoff to this setup whatsoever, except to, you know, blow another million dollars on something that they think looks cool. Cause they can. I don't know. I think you guys are thinking too hard about this movie. Oh, of course we are. That's, that's the whole purpose of these episodes. Like, have you listened to any of our episodes? You just no, summed up their entire like, lives. I know, too but much. I'm just like, well, of course it didn't mean shit. <laughs> I was like, have you done no. us? <laughs> no, I wish they would have taken that blood and fire water CGI money and given us something with the beholder. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wanted to see that thing in combat. Nope, just floated and existed and then was gone. So it's very Man. obvious this budget was like $15 a day. <laughs> it's very obvious. But it does bring us to our main heroes because our main heroes are looking down watching these fire trails go across the moat and they're introduced. And so we have, forgive me, we have the first main actor, which is and Justin Thalen. Also known as Poor Man's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> that one, that one and Marlon Wayans, also known as the Poor Man's Marlon Wayans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we what did- are there? So what? I remember the one guy, his name is Snails. What's right. the other guy's name? Uh, the fact that I've forgotten now is Ridley? Ridley. Ridley. Ridley, yes. Ridley, 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 like Scott, not like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Ripley was better in alien, but this was Ridley. That goes without saying. (laughs) (laughs) Like insulted you being compared the two. (laughs) I know. I'm just kind of sorry. We didn't watch that movie. Ripley was better in aliens three than Ridley was in this movie. That's everybody was better in aliens three than this whole movie. That's both. (laughs) Bold the Predator was better in Aliens Three, and he wasn't even in Aliens Three. All right. <laughs> so why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> yeah. So, so we have Marlon Wayans, who instead of like giving him some kind of cool role in this fantasy epic that could have been, they just said, just just go Marlon Wayans the hell out of it. Like, yeah. Like we we see you as a stereotypical character that fits this mold. And you do these R2-D2 like screams and squeals and you make really great big pouty faces. Just do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I bring my, to the next weird casting thing. I do want to slow down. I mean, it's, it's one of the Wayne brothers. And at the time, I kind of understand the, the initial appeal, right? They needed a big name to help draw people into it. A young crowd, right? And at this time, like, scary movie had just come out um 
What other? There was like a the Wayans brothers were like in everything at that point between Keenan, Damon, Marlon, and Sean. Like of the four of them, and I think even Kim was starting to get in some things, yeah. or at least behind the scenes things. Like the Wayans, like throw a rock and you'd hit something with the Wayans in it. It was yeah. you know kind of great, but at the same time, over flooding the market like with this movie. Yeah, it, it was just like, hey, we'll throw a Wayans brother in here. We'll try to track. It's just a, such a cynical approach to this movie. Just throw a big name with young kids at, at this and we'll go with it. So they threw him in there and they cast him as Snails the Thief. And the, the thing with this is he's a terrible thief. He doesn't get away with being a thief once in this whole movie. He is the worst. He chooses the worst things to steal, but I digress. The problem with it was... I will say... He is a better thief than his friend Ridley because he at least carries a bag with him when he's stealing shit and he puts his things in the bag. Now does he also puts now does he also put the things that he's stealing on his head? Yes, but at least he came prepared. Yes. Justin Whalen comes in with nothing. Nothing. He doesn't even have pockets. Okay. He's dressed like Aladdin, so he has something. Well, here he has some hair. He has nice hair. Well, okay, but he doesn't hair. have a magic carpet to ride away when the librarian shows up and says, "Hey, you're stealing our shit." Right, that's true. <laughs> he that's can't true. do anything. <laughs> so that brings us to our th- uh, to our next scene, right? So they decide they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna the steal things from the mages college when no one's looking, which leads us to their first main moment. So they're in the library in the mages library stealing stuff. Uh, we we pan over and Wayne is being Wayne and doing his Wayne things and all his Wayanness, okay? Which makes no sense and has no place in a high fantasy like this. And we look over and he's trying to still, I guess, a dragon's tooth that's just the size of his body because he's such a great thief. It's things like that. And I know what happened. Wayans was such a big name at the time in the film industry that he came in. He was like, I'm just going to improvise. I'm just going to improvise. You guys could just pick the best of my improvisations. I will do three or four shots of the same scene. And then y'all just pick it and we'll go. I know that's what happened. Wayne was assuming he's funny. (laughs) That's a big assumption. And he just didn't hit it at all. It did not have a role in this. And it quickly digresses into just what are they doing? This whole scene, like the whole scene is cringy. It's rough. And then they meet their next main protagonist, which is the librarian, which turns out to be a young mage that's studying The only female that we see in the entire mages college that we see in the council of mages, which is all old white men with big staffs. Um, yeah. there's another Yes. Thank you for that. There. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But just like, and, and the only thing that she does is shelf books and, and work for another old beardy white man wizard saying, Oh, you, you have no idea. Now, now go and fetch that for me on that table over there because I can't walk 15 feet myself to get it. Like she is a gopher. Like there is no, no kind of gender equality, just so much inherent misogyny. I almost said inbred misogyny, but probably that too. Probably that too with those large staffs. (laughs) Yeah. So at least she wasn't in the kitchen. That it was. I mean, she, she, had, she was. She was pretty close. I mean, she had <laughs> shoes on. So there's one, you know, mark for yeah. the positive. There you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. so, so she comes in and finds yeah. our two worst thieves ever, and and they've just like found this like box that if you open it up releases this like giant dragon skeleton thing 
kind of like a jack in the box. Um, it was just another excuse to blow the special effects money on something. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you about that, Savannah. Is that like a box, illusion box or something? Was that anything that you know have come across in, in playing the game? Look, literally the only thing that was like canon D&D in the entire movie was the Beholder that existed for five <laughs> seconds. That's yeah. why Brandon and I got so excited when we saw it because that was the only thing we recognized. Okay. Like if you, like people listening, if you heard the D&D episode, like <laughs> we know a thing or two about D&D and that was the only thing in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, and you could tell, like if you listen to the the commentary, the watch along track, like you will hear how genuinely excited we are because like in unison, like this completely prompted, <laughs> yeah. we both went, oh, it's a beholder. Like same gasp, same wonderful tone, same awe, same crushing disappointment 20 seconds later. <laughs> That's it? That's all we're getting? That's it. But for one brief shining moment, we had hope. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because that scene is where we introduce the, um, it, it's not Jeremy Irons character, but we introduce the other main bad, like his lieutenant, if I will. And that guy. Is oh, Damodar. Oh, he was the best Blue thing. Blue lipstick the whole movie. man. Blue Mr. Blue Lipstick. Man. He was the best thing. He was, but at the same time, <laughs> I mean, course. he wanted to be if, Alan Rickman's understudy. He very much if we're came gonna... from the acting of teeth do not touch lips theater school. And like, if we're going to talk about like bad, like innuendos and like just stuff like that in this movie, I think like you can't talk about that without talking about this guy, this, you oh. know, Mr. Blue Lips, because he took that and ran with it and kicked it up 10 notches yes oh my gosh there was some homoeroticism going on I, I, yes, a lot of it and so once or it, twice once or twice thousand <laughs> times but we well they well with the librarian's help they escape the bad guy and she jumps through a portal right oh, oh oh they 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 don't escape they're basically her captive right. because when she discovers them she like wonder woman's this like ring around her finger to throw out a magical lasso I think that she then like their has, version of, of the spell of entanglement but I yeah something that. like that yeah it, it is yeah, a spell because she has to like keep yeah. her hand like her finger pointing at them so as you know she's running trying to escape these mages who just murdered her, you know, the, the old man that was telling her to go and get whatever books from different things. Um, you know, they walk in and see him get murdered. She has these two idiots tied up with a magic rope and like jumps through a portal. Meanwhile, they're like three legged racing all over the place and trying not to fall over. Like it was, they, they basically said, okay, watch the three stooges. Now do the worst possible version you could ever do of what oh, you just God. saw. It was, it was horrible. Like the start, the, the, the Star Trek, you know, scenes where they all have to like shift at the same time because the bridge got hit was more realistic than these two. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what it is, is because they were so insistent on improvising and rather than doing the character work. And I know this sounds dumb when it comes to an action adventure slash comedy, but you still have to do the work. You can't just show up the day of with no plan and it just mm -hmm. expect that you're going to put together an amazing movie. It doesn't work that way. And it, it was right. very obvious. So they get yanked through the portal with her and she's running out. What cracked me up and I still have no explanation for is that they wind up in, in a trash heap, right? Coming through the portal yeah. and randomly with no explanation, there's a dwarf hiding in the trash heap alongside with them. And he emerges and in also inexplicably 
decides to join their party. And the reason why is because right before, as they're coming out of the trash heap, he comes out of the trash heap. All four of them are standing there together. Bad guy finds them and they're about to be taken. And so they jump down the sewer. And for some reason, the dwarf jumps down the sewer with them. There's yeah, no this, reason for this, this dwarf to become involved. Like there was no reason for the bad guy to say anything to the dwarf, to have any interconnection with the the dwarf was literally just standing there like wrong place wrong time he was just like i don't know like sleeping off a hangover in a trash pile with a bunch of spinach leaves and he comes out and literally his helmet gets shot off by a crossbow bolt from one of blue lipsticks you know guards that's how he gets involved and at one point he's like well I guess I have no choice but to help you. No, no, you just got shot in the head, at the <laughs> head, because of this association of passing by with them. You are only putting yourself in closer to mortal peril. Like, I guess I don't have any other choice. Like, what? How were you raised? What is your definition of choice? Yeah. You said that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. And what really cracks me up is like, throughout this movie, there are so many times where they just like, use character dialogue to just explain and over explain like what just happened in the last in the last scene oh and yeah. yet there isn't a single moment where they stop and they're like hey dwarf why are you coming along like i think he speaks like three lines where he's just like oh i drank a lot and then yeah and usually whatever like his beard is full of chicken while he's doing it <laughs> yeah it's weird and you know you and he, he just useful- oh go ahead i'm sorry Oh, I was just going to say, and like, he just like, with all the times they stopped to explain the plot multiple times throughout the movie, they never once stopped and like acknowledged him. Yeah. Like <laughs> Eric brought up a great point. We don't even know what this guy's name is. I do now. Cause I yeah. just looked it up on IMDB, but yeah, like his name is never mentioned. Yeah. What is his name? His name is Elwood. Oh, give her the full okay. name. Oh, go ahead. Give it. Uh, I don't remember oh, the last part. Elwood Gutworthy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Which is a name that I will be incorporating as an NPC oh. into a future D and D campaign. Absolutely, like or at least yeah, a surname. Maybe not necessarily Elwood, but Gutworthy will make an appearance. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so Gutworthy joins the party with no explanation, and he just does. And it's funny, we were joking really hard on the live stream about every time he showed up, something would happen. He would get knocked backwards and stuff. And we started joking about come back when you're a main character every time he got knocked off screen. Yeah, no because kidding. Because what was the point of him? Like, he, his character could have been completely written out of the movie and no one would have noticed. It's yeah. just awful. So now we have... Like, to- literally, he was only added because, well, he's a dwarf, and that's Dungeons and Dragons, right? Sure, why not? I mean, mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings. So we're crapping on this baby Snow pretty hard, but we could talk about a little bit of what they could have done to improve it. Obviously, they need to give a motivation for the dwarf to be there. They tried their best uh, briefly when he was sitting in a tree later on about he's doing it for the money and he winds up not doing it for the money because they don't have any money. He just does it in the end. Yeah. It's so bizarre. So their next plan is to take this map that she ran out with. Oh, like, hold on. I just wanted to make a great point about what Savannah mentioned that they'll just have these scenes of dialogue. One of them occurs right after they meet the dwarf and escape. So they go to this like four story tavern. That's like, I, I don't know. This is like, you know, some like, 
this has got to be like the most happening nightclub of whatever this town is because there are like belly dancers on one level. There's food and tables on every level. There's like a, there are several bands I believe we see like just, it's, it's kind of like Jabba's palace from star Wars, but, but like four levels of this, it's ridiculous. And they have this, this scroll that I, I forget if they brought it or the librarian brought it, but they were trying to translate and somehow Ridley was like, no, the old man touched it like this and said, you know, vitter, bidet, badump, badump, whatever. And says, you know, he just magically happens to touch this map the right way and say the magic words. And he get, he turns into dusk and gets sucked into the scroll. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the librarian, who is like the only like logical character left because now we have snails and Elwood Gutworthy um, sitting at this table just stuffing themselves and what is, what was her name? Pretensa? Yeah. Mar- Marina Pretensa. Yep. She's a pretentious bee. She's an aristocrat. But yeah, so Marina, like basically except she, copies... Except she put her hair down to show that she had changed. Oh, right. Yeah, because now she's not the stuck-up <laughs> librarian anymore. Now she's the viable love interest. Of course. Yes, she ditched her glasses. She down. put her hair down. Yeah, and, and and so she gets sucked into this scroll too. Then there's like this giant tavern brawl. They come in there, snails and Elwood get away. And the whole time, Marina and Ridley are trapped in this scroll. Like we have no idea how to get them out. And and they don't. Like they just end up coming out of their own volition later on when well, the other two characters happen to be, you know, in a safe place. Let me throw some context on this because in that particular scene, bug the heck out of me. The, for this whole week, it's been living in my brain. Mm-hmm. So I've done my best to unriddle what happened there. So that map was actually in the library when that previous scene began, right? right. Our, our three heroes met each other. It was actually the map that the uh, scribers or old That's man. That's one he was trying to figure out, right? And he couldn't. He kept failing at it, right? Right. So this this wise mage kept failing at this map. The map that she grabs and keeps it safe. And it's the map that the bad guys are looking for. Right. So get this. They're at the tavern. And I watched this. I actually thank you for those who are listening. You're welcome that I actually watched this again so I can understand it. So apparently Ridley's father was a rogue as well. And apparently somehow he magically, <laughs> pun intended, knew how to divinate div- uh, maps. This is true. You can look it up and watch it again. Okay. And apparently he's like, yeah, my dad used to do this. And he would say these words and he said it. And that's what sucked him into the map. That was the movie's wow. explanation. Okay. I, I kind of missed like exactly like who the old man was that he was talking about because like, he's like the old man did this. So it was his old man, his dad. But then when they come back out, there was a wraith that was trapped in this thing that they talked to and found out like where the, the heart of the dragon and the eye of the dragon are, which are these giant rubies they need to, you know, plot device, plot device, plot device. MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. So, so our two main characters, two of our main characters disappear into this map. Then they come out and tell us, instead of showing us this cool, like, you know, maybe like they're just in this like foggy cloudy area and they hear a voice or they see this weird, like creepy, like ghost, like being, no, no, no. They come out and they tell us everything that just happened. Like all this cool stuff that they just did, like interrogating this wraith. Well, it wasn't easy to make him talk. Like, what did you do? How did you convince him to talk? Did you bind him? Was there sorcery involved? Did you have a really pointy crossbow that somehow works on wraiths? Like, did you seduce him? <laughs> but who cares? Because this is because 
instead of having a living signpost, they literally are just reading the directions. Like it's it's horrible. They That's are so they are telling and not showing. And if you're going to do that, write a freaking radio drama. Don't make a movie. Here, here's here here's where we could talk about how actually to improve this movie because I love to, to trash terrible movies but i also will talk about here as a as a former writer i'm not published or anything but i used to teach writing and that's as far as my credentials go and i'm just going to be honest about it but how do we actually show a plot device so we can actually talk about it here all the money that they spent on that stupid cgi blood and the stupid fire cgi and all that nonsense they should have taken that money and give us the scene with a wraith because what mm-hmm. happened was there was a major plot point and they cut it. And I promise everybody as God is a eyewitness above, they cut it for budgetary reasons. And this mm-hmm. is just practical movie making and practical writing. There was a major right. plot point that we should have saw mm-hmm. instead of literally two sentences saying, Hey, we talked to a wraith. He's our buddy now. And he gave us directions. That should have been an entire scene. And it, this movie is not that long. It was I like an hour had that than the massive tavern, you know, casino palace, pleasure palace thing. In the like, whole, we didn't need that. In the whole scene where Wayans is trying to hit on an elf, which I know the elf keeps showing up later throughout the movie. But we oh, and, and we can that. tell that it's going to be a romantic uh, you know, interest for him because it's the only African-American female in the movie. Oh, it's so cringe. It's so cringe. And I know because it's an African-American male can't have a love interest that is not an African-American female. Yeah, she, she can't be white. So, so much cringe. But anyway, here's the thing. That's where we could talk about one of the ways, and it wouldn't have been a huge change in this movie, that you could have done to make this movie more interesting is to show us the scene with the race. And I know what they, right, excuse me, and I know what they did was they cut it for budgetary reasons. But the problem is you have no connection to the emotional, you know, no emotional connection to the movie because you just had two people, two obnoxious people tell you, well, this is what we're doing next. And here's another thing. Wayans and also looked back. Wayne is actually the one, Snails is the one that actually says a spell to pull them back out of the map. How did he know that? How did he know that spell? It's so nonsense. It's so much nonsense. And in fact, the police are so angry they're coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I get for living around the corner from a hospital. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Somebody watched this movie (laughs) and put him in a state. (laughs) So yeah, that's one, that was one thing I was thinking about. How do I improve this movie? Cause I'll be honest, this movie is such a mess. It's hard for me to, have you ever gotten like someone's first attempt at a story? It's their very first draft and there's so many problems with it. You think to yourself, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. That's how this movie feels to me. And it took me a while to even begin to think, hey, here's something that we could have done that was small to improve it. So, and I know I'm harping on a small point, but it's not a small point. This is a difference between a terrible movie and a okay movie. And because right before you said that, I was thinking of it and I'm like, oh, what would I change? And I was like, I think I would just throw out the whole thing and start over. Because when you get to the bare bones of the plot, the bare bones of the plot still does not make any sense in a way that is like enjoyable or satisfying to watch yeah and it doesn't confer like there's no point to the adventure like the point of an adventure is to be like oh here's these heroes and it's this you know unlikely gang ragtag game of people and they overcome 
the monster or the dungeon or the villain, Mr. Blue Lipstick, mm-hmm. and save the day. But in the end, like, they didn't really, they, they kind of did it, but it was so underwhelming and so anticlimactic. Like as many people were killed that could have been, I guess. <laughs> sure. So, well, you don't yeah, have to have people die for it to be, you know, good. Oh, no, but, no, like, no, it's, that's, it, that's what still, I mean. There's like, no yeah. point. Like, their whole, their whole, you know, climax to the movie is the fact that it's like, well, yeah, we screwed up, but um, we, we kind of pulled it out of the fire at the last minute, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And there are dragons now flying around, yeah. and that's it. Sure. But, but yeah, the, the whole plot is very confusing because, so so at the heart of it, you know, we mentioned earlier that this this evil mage is trying to overthrow a, a Profion, a tyrant, attempts to overthrow a peaceful kingdom ruled by a tough empress. So literally the whole plot of this movie is that Profion is trying to get this staff to command dragons so that he can overthrow the kingdom because the queen won't give up her own dragon staff to the Council of Mages because she wants to keep equality for everyone in the kingdom. The Council of Mages is all these old white dudes we're basically saying we keep things running around here. We are at the top of society and that is how it should be. And we deserve more power and more privilege. And if the masses have to make sacrifices, including their own lives, then so be it. That, that's just the way of our world. Like the Empress is in a total of five scenes, you know, something it's like a, that. It, like, I mean, counting the end of the movie, like once she's there, but before that, we see her like maybe three times through, like throughout the whole movie, and it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> you just yeah. you just summed up my experience as a woman at the sea level in corporate yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> all these old white guys who think yeah. that their staffs are really big think that they should be in charge of everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that like it's it's just like so crazy because I think like you know this isn't this is this movie came out in 2000 and like, that was just kind of like how those things went in movies oh, yeah. like, like that. Like, then, yeah. Back then probably wouldn't have batted an eye, but now it is so just like shocking to not see one African-American in the wizards council. And there, this is literally like an opera house with alcove set up like the Muppet show. Sandy made a great comparison. It looks exactly <laughs> like the old Muppet show, which you can now see on Disney plus. Um, but at, at there there have to be at least 50 to 70, you know, men in this scene and not a single person of color, not a single female. It's just white, 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 like so much mayonnaise in this scene. Just so much mayonnaise. <laughs> it's gross. So we could talk about, obviously, you know, there's a weird, weird, there's a weird hint at communism versus <laughs> well yeah. um, why dominated capitalism here and it's so bizarre because it comes off like what she's saying is you know equality is so you know progressive and terrible and everything and you're just like cringing now to the to the credit of the movie his view on you know basically what she thinks is capitalism is you know they're obviously saying that what he thinks is terrible and everything but the fact that we find that kind of weird social brief social commentary in a stupid movie like this is odd to me. I do want to talk about it. And I guess we've taken a shift a little bit into the more serious about this movie. I do want to talk about the dangers of MacGuffins. You guys know what MacGuffins are? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very well. <laughs> yes. So for those that are not familiar with the term MacGuffin, MacGuffin is any device in a movie that drives the plot forward. And it's usually something that they have to go get to accomplish their mission, right? So it's something that's lost, something that's stolen, something like a mystical, mystical device, something that's really powerful and magic, that sort of thing that they have to get in order to beat the bad guy, right? So you start looking through this. We have books and movies and TV shows are just choke full of MacGuffins, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like something I got to go get to do this and beat the bad guy. This is the only thing that beats the bad guy. Bless its heart, Harry Potter is just choke full of MacGuffins. And it's fine. It works well. So there are times where MacGuffins work really well. I argue that Harry Potter is a really great example of MacGuffins doing well right he had to go mm-hmm. to the elder one blah 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 he had to have to get the deadly MacGuffins. i mean hallows yeah so the all three mm-hmm. deathly hallows are MacGuffins. he needed all mm-hmm. three of those things to become master of death and to take on baltimore that's actually in the it earns it and the reason why it earns it is because the MacGuffins is just simply driving harry potter forward in his journey but the book's really about the character development and harry and his friends so it earns it because it takes the time with the journey. It's not really the MacGuffin. That's not the real point of the narrative. The point is the, the, the doubt, the worry, the fear, the despair, the challenge to become more courageous, the challenge to stand up and do what's hard because it's the right thing to do. If being right was easy, everybody would do it. And it's these lessons of friendship and trust and all of these things, becoming a better person, that's when a MacGuffin is used in a clever way. And stories like Harry Potter is done that way. Then you have stories like this one, where the MacGuffin is the only thing that's happening in the plot. There is no character development. There is no, I feel, you know, no discussion on how we feel. There's no discussion. There's no call to bravery. There's no moment of moral dilemma. If I choose this, this is going to happen, but I've choose this, this is going to happen. There's no real life stake situations. We all know that all our characters are going to live except for snails. And all of these things are happening, but there's no emotional connotation because the movie doesn't slow down long enough for us to establish emotional connection, to feel for these people, to worry about our characters. They just move from one thing to the next. And what's so unbelievably frustrating about this movie is that the moment they get one MacGuffin, they have to go get another MacGuffin. And this Mm -hmm. entire movie is just a series of them going from one MacGuffin to another MacGuffin to another MacGuffin, and then suddenly the movie is ending. And people oftentimes, I find when you talk about movie reviews, they often talk about how terrible the movie is. They're like, oh, I hate it. But they don't explain why the movie is bad and what the movie could have done to improve itself. And this is classic writing 101. When you have a MacGuffin, the MacGuffin is is secondary to your character development. And that's kind of why we're seeing it. I know I took a turn here. No, but you make a great point. because This is something I want to talk about, too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, like, if you want to say there is an A plot and a B plot, like the A plot will say is that, you know, Jeremy Irons is trying to take control away from the, the Empress Thorburge. Like, that's like our main, that's the main thing that's happening. That's like our 10,000 yard view. But for some reason, our B plot, which is where our main characters lay, which should not be, they should be in the A plot. 
they are on this fetch quest. You know, like you said, they're just yeah. looking for the MacGuffins. First, it's this ruby, the eye of the dragon. Then it's the heart of the dragon. Actually, maybe I have that backwards. But really those, <laughs> not even a little bit. And then those go into a door that lets you into the secret room where the, the red rod is. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's just like, it's fetch quest after fetch quest after fetch quest. And once they have the red rod, then it's like, oh, right. Now we're going to just sloppily tie the two ends together and bring the red rod with the princess's rod. And then it's just going to be rod wars. They gingerly touch tips. <laughs> yes. Stop saying rod, please. <laughs> Say rod one more time. Rod, 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 rod. It sounds like one of those old romances where her bosom was heaving. Yes. It's her all bad euphemisms. Bales of hay over the fence. It was rather impressive. Oh, no, but but seriously, like it was just so weirdly put together and, <laughs> so and just it's like, okay, well, what needs to happen now? Uh, I, I don't know. Just throw the blue lipstick guy in there one more time and let's let's kill snails because like there, there needs to be some kind of emotional redemption. I guess. Well, and that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, like, American. Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll oh, I was just going to say, um, like, like you were saying, Eric, about like, you know, MacGuffins and how to do it right. And like, I was laughing because I was thinking of Lord of the Rings, which is like the classic, yes. like the MacGuffins in the name. Yes. And like the way to do it right. And I've thought about like being a and d being a dungeon master, you think about this a lot because MacGuffin plots are so easy because you're just like, because in D&D, there's so many magic items and you can make any number of them into something that's an important plot device and like the thing that you have to do with it to make it worth any while is like you connect it to your characters and you connect it to a villain mm-hmm. and that's all you need to do and like what this movie and, it, and it's it's honestly it's hard because you have to figure out how to make this MacGuffin you know fit into your characters your main character's character development Lord of the Rings does it spectacularly because obviously Frodo is affected by the ring and like that's half the whole movie. That's his whole character arc. That's the whole struggle. But the thing about this movie that was so terrible was that like these MacGuffins did nothing. (laughs) Like, you know, the saying like life's not about the, you know, the destination, it's the journey. That's how it should be with MacGuffins. Like the MacGuffin should not be the end all be all. Like once you get it, yeah, that was it. Like it should be about what happens along the way. Like what have you gained? What have you lost? What how have you developed as a as an individual or a person? We need to see something like that in a good story that is just a fetch quest for a MacGuffin. Or else I, I feel like we've been saying the word MacGuffin a lot, but I'm okay with that. Better Not quite as much as the word rod, but right. you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it's just solely focused on, okay, now we've got this Ruby. Okay, now we've got that Ruby. And the whole time the thieves are like, Great, rubies, we can sell them when we're done. Like they're they're just so sloppy and how they're trying to tie everything together yeah here's here's one other way that you can effectively use mcguffin thank you so much savannah for talking about the classic lord of the rings because we do need to talk about one other way to subvert a mcguffin into making it more interesting you make your mcguffin the villain Ooh, yes so when you're in lord of the rings right the ring is a sentient being for lack of a better term it has feelings it has thoughts it absorbs an air of evilness onto frodo and begins to change him and the battle lies within frodo resisting the evil and the temptation of the ring the entire movie i mean movie excuse me in the entire book and well movies too and movies so what 
what Tolkien did that was so imaginative and so break groundbreaking for his time was he took a MacGuffin. MacGuffins have been around for thousands of years in storytelling, King Arthur and yada, 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 yada. I mean, everybody hears legends about, hey, we got to go get a mystical sword. What he did was <laughs> he found a way to make the MacGuffin the villain that presses its will upon our character. And as a result, our character faces moral dilemmas and challenges throughout the whole thing. Harry Potter, again, rolling, by the way, her delivery is original, but her ideas are not. I, I'm, and I say that out of respect. You have, for those that are listening, I have read Harry Potter so much it's falling apart. I say that with the utmost respect. She stole her idea from the idea that the MacGuffins are alive and they wreak havoc on people's soul. Harry gets angry because he is the MacGuffin, right? His MacGuffin has a personality and it's buried within him and is causing havoc in his soul. That's not an idea she, she came up with her own. She just took it and remodeled it from Tolkien, right? Because mm -hmm. why break a, something that's great? So, and, you know, you see all of this stuff. So that's another way that you can take a MacGuffin and make it more interesting. So as you're doing as a Dungeons D&D Dungeons Master or writing a screenplay, a screenplay, these are things to start considering. And there was no consideration for any of these things. The MacGuffins were simply devices, just got them from point A to point B, but they didn't earn any of the respect or emotional connection that they should have. Because I'll say this, last example I'll make of it, the journey being more important than MacGuffin. I've not played D&D as much as you guys have. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, but my best session I've ever had was not, there was a lot of funny sessions, but my best session, without a doubt, was we had gotten some quest for a MacGuffin and it was a very dangerous quest. And for some reason, the party took it really seriously and we all fell into our acting roles really well. And we were all channeling our characters. And for two hours, basically, we sat around the, the fictional campfire and discussed the moral implications of what we were about to do. And it was like people acting out a scene where we were like, we do this, it affects this. We do this, it affects this. We do this, it affects this. And our characters, our whole session was us just talking about should we do this or not. Sure. And it was one of my most interesting sessions I've ever been in because we it, we wrapped up the battle quickly in the end, the big final battle. But it was more discussion of do we really want to do this because this takes us to a point where it's of no return. I remember clearly if we had done something, a village would be destroyed for the sake of saving the world. And there were some of our party had a real problem with it. And some of our party was like, well, we said, you know, sacrifice a few to save the world. And there was a serious implications of it. And we really got into it because it was not about the MacGuffin. It was about what we were going to do. Sure. So that's the difference between, again, a, terrible movie like this and a good movie and that's kind of how i feel about it that makes it yeah we never know like what these staffs are going to do um like it's just that this is a powerful artifact this is a great weapon that we can use but we never know why until the last seven minutes of the movie yeah oh if mm -hmm. that and we find out yeah. it's really not that big of a deal it just calls a bunch of dragons that's it Right. Like this whole thing, and they never once explain what any of these, I'm going to say it, rods do. They just call a bunch of dragons. And they never tell us. And I'll tell you why they never told us, because it's stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, this is what we're doing it for? Yeah. 
All of this is just yeah. cause it to call an art, you know, a flock. What do we find? A thunder of dragons. Thunder, thunder. which is the thunder, best thing to yes. come out of us watching that I learned. Yes. 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 Yeah. For those that are listening and haven't watched the live stream, thunder is the plural root name for dragons. So, you know, you have a flock of geese, you have a thunder of dragons, which I think is the coolest thing I think I heard all last week. So anyway, all it does is call a thunder of dragons. Now that's cool. We do have a good five minute fight scene of dragons mm-hmm. fighting dragons. But yeah, because the bad guy gets the rods, the red staff. So he summons like all these red dragons who, you know, just come and start laying waste to the city where they're fighting in. And then the queen uses her staff or, and, or her rod, and all these golden dragons come and start fighting the red dragons. And then I think at one point, doesn't he get, like, both staffs or both I, rods? I, 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 I gotta I've, like, actively expunged those memories from my mind already. Yeah. I, I just know that for a while it doesn't go great. <laughs> Yeah, and for the sake of time, we're going to have to actually wrap it up pretty soon, which is hilarious to me because we actually went from scene to scene for about half the movie, and then we just simply digressed. But then again, I <laughs> just kind of fell into philosophy, which I'm well, there's with. like to be fair, there's not a whole lot. Like the last hour or so of the movie was just so disjointed and rushed and had no standout plot points. One of the few things I remember, and it's because Sandy pointed out, is that you can tell that, you know, Marina, the librarian, is an aristocrat because they say it a few times at the beginning because, like, every scene, she has a different hairstyle. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing is they actually did a women be shopping joke with her. Did you catch that? Oh, my God. oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, it's nonsense. And we haven't even talked about how Snails, the one token african-american character uh dies halfway through the movie and then they have like a silly little you know get together funeral for him and his grave is just a bunch of rocks piled up yeah that's it with his name etched into it yeah like like the zen mindfulness stones that i do here yes exactly it it just the whole thing bothers me and i know wayne's probably genuinely had a decent heart about it like i heard i read that he did play D growing up at the same time like i know he wanted to be in this movie because he grew up playing D, but my argument is you should have known better clients so i yeah. let me point out i know that it 2000 seems like a long time ago to some of you who are much younger than i am however it's not that long ago and honestly things were to a point where they were really supposed to be at least trying not to be so stereotypical Right. And they cast him as that stereotypical buddy cop, just joker, just comic relief, comic relief, donkey to Shrek, donkey yeah. to Shrek. But this donkey again dies halfway through the movie in a senseless death for no real purpose. And his character has no redeeming value. Not that the whole plot had any redeeming value, but at least he could have lived to the end to see the cool dragons that all those rods that they were chasing, um, you know, were calling. So I, I still, it, it, I know it was 2000, but in 2000, we still, we had moved a long way from 1960 is all I'm saying yeah. at that point about Fair. that. And I, I, I also think that the women jokes, I was, you know, 2000 against not that long ago. Okay. And we weren't quite having a lot of those kind of, they weren't acceptable either. And so I think even in the time period in which this movie was made, and, and we don't want to put, I forget what they call it, but when you take our time and put our, our morals and our understanding sure, on that sure. past time, I forget what it's called, but we don't want to do that. Right. But 
However, in that time period, which I lived through and I was an adult, my kids were adults by that point, almost, almost. I was a senior uh, in high school. Yeah, you were senior high school. Chris, Chris was over age. So it was, you know, it, it was not, some of these things were not acceptable. And I had to wonder by the time we got to the end of that no plot movie, if this movie was created and designed for middle school boys, I literally, that was my thought by the time we finished that night, was this movie created for middle school boys? Because that's really what it felt like by the time we got to the end. I think they tried. Um, and at that point in 2000, I was 14 years old um, and I was in Boy Scouts and I had a few friends who went to see it and they're like, that was dumb. Like, I mean, Marlon <laughs> Wayans was himself. Like, I, I just remember them saying like, like none of us played Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't know anyone who did. And like some of us were curious about it. And we're like, if that's what it is, just no, no. Yeah, I, I think I think we've been too kind to say, well, yeah, we like, know it was in like the past, even middle school saying, boys no. didn't like it. They're like it had no pro- no point. It was just dumb. <laughs> it was just dumb. It was it was badly, badly written if it was written at all. Mm-hmm. And it was badly put together. However, they, they the, some of the scenes were really awesome. And I did enjoy the the dragon skeletons. And I've decided I really want <laughs> one. But no one is listening to me with that one. Yeah, and, uh, and I gotta admit, like some of the CGI budget was well spent. This was the era of like just grand sweeping camera angles, and 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 like you're flying through the rooftops. They did some great fantasy towns. Like I gotta give it up to that. For I I respectfully disagree. Less than a year later, Lord of the Rings came. Yeah, but I, I no, but like in in the city, there was at least one or two really great city shots that I appreciated. Okay, fair enough. It just felt very boring. Like not all of them. But like some of them were really well done. And you can tell that it was that era because there was like one or two out of 30s. They were doing as many as possible. The first, the very first intro shot was pretty good. I will say. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the one I was thinking. of. Yeah. I will also say, I think comparing it to Lord of the Rings is not fair to other movies in general that aren't Lord of the Rings because, because Lord of the Rings was such like an effort of love from everyone who worked on that movie. The, thousands and thousands of people who worked on that movie that like that movie still like holds up to this day in terms of cgi and it, special it was effects. better than the hobbit movies that came out 10 years later exactly True. so comparing anything to lord of the rings is unfair <laughs> yeah you're right I, I'll I, that for sure. I, I think what, what i was wanting to do is just compare and say just i want to put it in the timeline and put in perspective that we had jurassic park come out like six years before this movie. oh my god yes and then you had Lord of the Rings come out less than a year. This was right in the middle of that. And I know they had a really crappy budget. I know $45 million, even in year 2000, is nothing. I understand that. What I'm focusing on was they could have done so much better with the m- money they did have. There are movies that are being made. Put it in perspective, Deadpool was made for $55 million, the very first one. That's it. Just mm-hmm. 55 In today's money. And what and we got something pretty awesome. Yeah. It was because they had they and it was a labor of love, but they were also very very clever with what they spent their money on. And this movie, you can tell, had no idea how to spend this money. If that makes sense. So I concede your point. You're absolutely right. There's nothing compares to Lord of the Rings. It's it's probably the greatest trilogy of movies besides like well even the Godfather struggles in in, in number three. 
So it's probably the per- most perfect trilogy we've ever had. I agree with that. I can see that. But I just wanted to put it in perspective where we are. Okay. We're only a year out from that. We're only, <laughs> and we're six years past Jurassic Park at this point. The, the crappier yeah. sequels have come out before this one. So, you know, it's just, I'm just putting it in perspective. And, you know, I'm like, again, one last, I'll already say one more time. Yes, I understand it was a $45 million budget, but I am looking at Deadpool with $55 million and it was a worldwide phenomenon. It was just done well, if that makes sure. sense. Oh, yeah. Maybe they just ate a lot of tacos. <laughs> uh, uh, chimichangas. Is that what they were? Is that what they were consuming during this movie when they made this movie? Well, that's their work so. crack, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the mushrooms on the tacos. <laughs> so, well, I think I think that about wraps it up. I, like I said, we didn't even bother finishing with a plot, but you know, at the same time, they didn't. Neither did they. They didn't, they didn't either. <laughs> they so. ended with. I I do have to say I can't stop thinking about how that how they ended with all the main characters just kind of like dissolving into dust and floating oh, into the air God. with no explanation. Oh, yeah. So, so the African-American like <laughs> elven chick who was the, the love interest for snails apparently is like, you know, some like secret agent spy for an organization. And, and at the end of the movie, like, you know, the, the, the rock that had snails name engraved on it, like the name disappears from the rock. You see this, like, magic thing like you know flying away and she says something like you'll see him again or or you know this isn't the last time we've seen it or something or maybe it's not even that specific but and then she just kind of smiles and nods cryptically at ridley and and ridley and marina and elwood who's still around gutworthy our favorite dwarf who didn't need to be there just all look at each other and put their hands in the middle and turn into blue dust like savannah said and fly off like that's it like this was very bold of them to assume there'd be a sequel. This was incredibly <laughs> bold to think that this is a setup that would pay off later on. I mm. no, and no one cares. Like you could ask me, hey, do you want to know what happened to him? No, no, not at all. It, no, the movie. I ho- it, honestly, I hope a giant storm comes along and blows apart all their blue dust particles so they can't reformat, reformulate. <laughs> <laughs> it just ends as a big wet fart. I mean, there's just no other way to describe it. So they just need um, to find someone else who can find them a rod to then. <laughs> we, <laughs> the need the, we need more rods. <laughs> so before I wrap this up, we got to ask the traditional question Where does this rank on the movies I have forced to what make you watch this year? Okay. Is it better than Mortal Kombat? Is it worse? Is it better no. than Highlander? How we feel about this movie? I'd still put it above the. I, I think Highlander Two is always going to be my bottom. Like it's really, gonna, it's going to take a Highlander lot for something two? to supplant that. Wow, um, old claims, sir. I don't know if it's better than Mortal Kombat Two. Okay, I'd probably put them about equal. Mortal Kombat Two might edge this one out, but it's like Highlander Two is still just the bottom of the crap heap. <laughs> Fair enough. Like the the freaking that. owl people that are flying around for like five minutes for no damn reason just like it's still like it was the most boring most drawn out action scene i've ever seen you know it's funny every time i mention highlander 2 i literally see brandon go into ptsd mode and he has flashbacks like he's lived in vietnam it's just amazing like he, he i know our friendship was strained a little too, bit that day. 
like genuinely strained because you should have, if for those that are listening, oh. you've not, you've not heard uh, Brandon's response to me making him watch Highlander two. go back and find that episode because you, th- just, you hear a broken man. <laughs> well, I think that was the movie. Like, I think I like literally just like at one point I was so disgusted. Like I'd been eating and like, I just like threw my silverware down on the plate and I was like, no, no. <laughs> Just like the clattering of, of, of cutlery. It was amazing. I still don't regret it though. Mom, what about you? Where does this rank for you? Honestly, this to me is the worst one. Really? Mostly because I couldn't find the plot. I couldn't figure out why they wanted the rods. I couldn't figure. I mean, honestly, it's really. I got a suggestion. (laughs) Yeah, but I was. I I kept thinking, surely this is not. I mean, my son would not make me watch a porn movie, so I was assuming that it was something else. So, I I probably was wrong, and that may have been the only plot device. But you know, I Mortal Mortal Kombat was really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Mortal Kombat Two was extremely like. Oh my goodness. Highlander 2, yeah, wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Um, none of these were Lord of the Rings, which I tend to quote in counseling sometimes. But, ah, uh, yes, it's the worst. It's, it's, the it's worst absolutely so the worst. Yeah. I couldn't find the plot. And I kept thinking, maybe I'm just not listening hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> it just, there was no plot. I, I never could figure out the plot. When Brandon led the, read the description tonight, I went, oh, Oh, that's what it was supposed to be. I was like, right? tonight, I found it out tonight. I didn't know it in the entire movie. So yeah, yeah. And I think it was a waste of Jeremy Irons. Uh, fair that's enough. What I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Savannah, if, if you've seen those other movies, how do you think it ranks? Do you think it's, what do you think? I haven't yet seen those movies. Okay. Um, it's going to take some time for me to gather up enough brain power to dedicate to watching those other terrible movies you just need one cell i promise just one brain <laughs> uh well that's it's hard gathering up it's hard rounding up one brain cell sometimes <laughs> but um honestly it's it's weird because in terms of like plot and the movie making any kind of sense this is probably the worst movie i've ever seen but it's not the movie that has made me the angriest I don't even know. I don't even remember what this movie was called. Um, but in um, in college, I took a film studies class because, you know, I needed a credit. And we watched some, like, weird action movie about a guy who drove cars. And I do not remember what it was called. But, like, it was the only movie I've ever watched that actively made me angry. <laughs> and at least this movie, I was at least, like, ambivalent and, like, could laugh at it. Where it wasn't like harmful to my psyche. Like I wasn't taking psychic damage from it. Right. (laughs) So. Okay. Fair enough. But it it was in terms of like movie making and how the fact that it like made it all the way to production and was out in theaters. Incredible. Like, I don't understand how that happened. Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it's funny. It's right there with Highlander 2. Highlander 2, it makes uh, the two movies makes me more angry because they were so pretentious in talking about social justice issues in that movie or attempting and failing absolutely miserably versus this one. This one was at least was just trying to entertain you. It wasn't trying to change your life or anything. It was just a movie. So I'm I'm more angry at Highlander too, but this one, 
this was just brutal to watch just because it's so terrible. So for right now, it seems like Highlander 2 and uh, Dungeons and Dragons is the lead, at least until I find another terrible movie. Well, with that in mind, we're going to have to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us if you're listening to and you have survived so, so far, especially if you join us for our live stream. Don't forget to go check out that episode. It is hilarious. There is so many jokes about rods and so many other jokes <laughs> that are just amazingly funny. So go check that out. I think it would be a great uh, use like, of your evening, I promise. Uh, yeah, well, we didn't even touch on the most awkward scene in the movie, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Yes. So, you know, that some undiscovered right. gems in the in the commentary mm, track, folks. There Listen is, along, mm, watch mm, along. There is, it's, mm, worth, mm. it's worth the $2.99. You know, pour yourself a nice bottle of wine. Um, just want to get the glass. Just a whole bottle. A whole bottle. Um, and just have one on deck just in case. You know, make your mm-hmm. own drinking games if necessary. Um, or just drink for sadness, like we did. You know, whatever works. Drink, drink every time they say rod, you will be hammered by 15 minutes. Absolutely. And that scene that Brian is talking about, you'll know it. In fact, why don't you write us about it? You can find us in lots of ways. First of all, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is you, me, and your mom. You can also find us on our Instagram page, which is you, me, your mom podcast. That's you, me, your mom podcast. That's usually the fastest way you can find us. You can direct messages there or just drop us a line right on our on our Facebook page or on, on our profile. You can also find us on Twitter. We're there, you, me, and your mom. And you can find us in our emails if you prefer to write an email email instead drop us a line there that's you me your mom 99 at gmail.com that's you me your mom 99 at gmail.com that's spelled y-o-u-m-e-y-o-u-r-m-o-m 99 at gmail.com love it you can also leave us a voicemail if you go to where you find most of your podcasts you'll find ours and you'll find a really cool button that says leave a voicemail hey drop us a voicemail and we can play your lovely voice right on our episode we'd love to hear hear from you we'd love to hear your thoughts about this lovely movie or anything else that's on your mind well i've been eric we've been joined by my best friend brandon and my mom mom her name is Sandy. And finally, our guest host, Savannah. Thank you for joining us, Savannah. We really appreciate it. Well, until next time, just remember in the wide world, it can always get worse. We'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.